We see a lot of children who have not had that opportunity to breastfeed have real narrow jaws. This is the primary number one reason for the increase or explosion, I should say, of orthodontic. Because it's not that we have too many teeth. We have the same number of teeth as our ancestors. Our jaws have gotten smaller. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 204 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Renee and I'm co-hosting along with my sister, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hello. What's up? I am Lauren. I'm Lauren. <laughs> I, am, <laughs> I am also co-host. <laughs> tuning in from New York. I can't yes, see tuning in from New York today. Yes. A little bit of a different background. Yes, it looks very New Yorkish. I love it. All right, we have a totally. the most specialist of guests coming on today. We're going to be bringing our dad on, Dr. Gene Sambatero, who has been on twice before. He is making his third appearance today. All right, before we jump into what we're going to be talking about, Lauren, pop quiz. What do you think is the biggest myth around the topic of holistic dentistry? I think just on a large scale that the mouth exists in isolation from the rest of the body. Is that an yeah. overly simplified answer? No, no. I think that's still a really common thought is like the mouth is separate from the body. Dentists are separate from your primary care physician that you go to every year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Would you say the same? Yeah. I think just the whole body connection, just in general, like that problems in your mouth, cavities, periodontal disease, root canals, cavitation, silver fillings, all of those can cause harm within the rest of your body. But then also knowing that problems within the rest of your body can show up in the mouth as gum disease, tooth decay, all these things, right? It go the, it really goes both ways. Yeah. So. Bidirectional. It is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I just... Every time we talk to dad about this, I just learn so much and witnessing a lot of what he does. It's just, it's pretty mind blowing how connective and how comprehensive it is. So I think, I think you all are going to enjoy this talk about the mouth today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even worked at the Julian Center with dad for seven years and I sat in on countless consultations with his patients and I would learn something new during every consult. And I'm like, where does this information keep coming from? And here we are even five years later, and I'm still learning from him. It's it's really endless. He's an amazing resource of information. And yeah, so today we really get into a lot about sleep apnea, sleep disordered breathing, what he's doing to test that and how he's treating patients with that. And not just adults, but kids too. And just the importance of addressing all of these issues at a younger age, it's going to set kids up for such a longer, healthier, happier life. So especially to the parents out there, like I would definitely look at this for your young kids. I think it, it can't be overlooked. 
Um, mm-hmm. And something else that stood out in my mind today is how he was talking about the sleep studies that he runs, how he actually likes people to do multiple sleep studies versus usually you just do one night, you're done. But fun fact, something that we talk about the pod- on the podcast a lot is the first night effect, right? We're like... Lauren, you and I always experience this when we travel, right? The first night in a new place, we don't sleep well. But the term first night effect actually came from sleep centers. They found that patients would come in and on their first night, hooked up to all the wires and everything, they wouldn't sleep as well. And that's where that term came from. So that that was really cool to hear from dad cool. that he actually prefers multiple nights of sleep studies to see what's going on. Yeah. And I didn't see this say this in the podcast, but when dad let me take this sleep study home from his office, I did four nights in a row. So we really were collecting averages and every single night was pretty different, like told a slightly different story. So over time, you have to look at the big picture and the overall story that's being told across multiple days. But I think this you know, translates to a lot of lab testing, any diagnostic testing in the industry or the field, just getting one snapshot in time is not as valuable as taking that wider perspective, like zooming out and seeing what's the narrative. A snapshot is, is microscopic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, like you think about like a stool analysis, really one collection baby (laughs) versus, uh, is it Genova? I think that where they do three days worth of samples, like that makes a lot more sense because like one sample is only going to tell you so yeah. much more and more companies are doing that like doctor's data you get you get to poop three times it's super exciting you guys <laughs> <laughs> so much fun yeah all right well on that note <laughs> we're not talking about stool analyses today we're talking about dental sleep medicine all right so uh, let me tell you a little bit more about our amazing dad. So Dr. Gene Sambatero has been practicing dentistry for over 40 years with special interests in orthodontics, dental orthopedics, temporomandibular joint disorder, sleep disorder breathing, and implantology. He graduated from the University of Maryland School of Dentistry in 1980 and soon after started incorporating a more holistic approach to his practice. Dr. Sambatero strives to educate his patients on how they can make healthier decisions in their lives as well as sharing his knowledge around toxic-free dentistry, which avoids mercury amalgam fillings, fluoride, and toxic root canals. Nearly 80% of all illnesses can be connected to infections, toxicities, and imbalances in the mouth, which is one of the reasons he is so passionate about practicing biological dentistry. A few of his affiliations include the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, the International Academy of Biological Dentistry and Medicine, and the International Dental Implant Association. He is also the author of Stop the Snore, Dental Solutions to Healthy Sleep. And then his more recent book is Your Guide to Holistic Dental Implants, The Permanent Solution for Missing or Lost Teeth. Amazing. His bio could be like an entire book, all the things he's done. So yeah. But what it doesn't share is all the awesome stories he has, which may be my favorite part of this interview. So let's get into it so you you can hear all the goods. All right, let's go. Welcome to our very, very special guest, Dr. Sam Batero, a.k.a. Dad, a.k.a. the OG biohacker. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for the invite. It's a pleasure. I'm excited. Yeah. I listen to you guys every week. Oh, you haven't missed a single episode? Nope. Not wow. even the one on women's hormones. <laughs> oh, thank you. So for all the times that we say, men, don't stop listening. This is for you too. He listened. Yeah. Makes me understand your mom better. 
There you go. That's yeah. exactly why we need men tuning in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It helps. Yeah, we don't okay. have the issues that we don't have to deal with all that. I guess yeah, we're with all that. Well, no, I mean just the fluctuation. I mean, obviously we age our testosterone levels lower, but other than that, we don't really have fluctuations in our hormones. Yeah. You know, not a cyclic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are very yeah. different. Yeah. All right. Well, longtime listener and third time guest. Thanks for coming back on. So for anyone that has missed previous episodes with our dad, we had him on in season one, where we talked a lot about the basics of biological dentistry, the dangers of silver fillings, root canals, fluoride, things like that. And then you came back on last year with mom, where we talked a little bit more about the, I would say like the whole body connection to dentistry, a little bit about sleep apnea. I know mom gave some great like dental hygiene tips. So we will link to both of those in the show notes for today's episode. If you missed those, go back, check those out. But today we're going to take a deeper dive on a couple of things. So sleep apnea, sleep disordered breathing, how that is all related to the dental sleep medicine component and what you're doing in that realm, dad. And then also want to hear like maybe some exciting case studies that have happened with patients over the years. Sure. What's new and the latest and greatest in biological dentistry? It seems like it's always evolving. So I think this is like a great time to catch people up on 2023 biological dentistry news. So we have lots to cover today. Where should we start? I don't know. We have like five hours. <laughs> <laughs> sure. We could go on and on and on, but I yeah. think it's really wise just to one, take a wide perspective, like that 30,000 foot view that we all appreciate, but also like everything is connected. So it's probably all part of one larger conversation, right? So maybe what feels really important to you today? What's kind of over time really stood the test of time and has shown great importance with your entire practice? Yeah, so uh, I will start. I'll start with that global, and, uh, and actually the name of the practice, the Julian Center for Comprehensive Dentistry. So what does that mean? Is that we're all inclusive. So versus say there are dentists who specialize just in sleep apnea or sleep medicine. Uh, there are dentists who, who specialize just in orthodontics. So we put it all together because I think it's really important that you piece those things in your own send patients to this specialist and that specialist. So so we get to see that global view uh, and then piece it together because it is a step-by-step -step process. So as we look at that, what's happened over the years as sleep has become an integral part of the practice. And absolutely every single patient who comes in here, we talk about home sleep studies, we talk about sleep apnea, we talk about sleep disorder, breathing, how it affects you, how it affects your children, what you can do to uh, compensate for it, what you can do to treat it, what you can do to prevent it for children. So that has become a really important part because everything else that we do in dentistry lays upon that foundation. Because if we're doing any kind of dentistry on a patient who's not sleeping or who is, is gasping for air because they have... Um, constricted airway or they have narrow uh, arches, all that's going to compromise the ultimate result. Uh, and just for example, say, say I was to do a full rehab on a patient, you know, just a full mouth of fillings and, and uh, bridges or crowns, whatever, but they're clenching their teeth. And so they're going to start breaking these restorations. So one, that's not a good result. Two, that's a very <laughs> unhappy patient. They're going to be very unhappy. And and, and it's our responsibility to have addressed the underlying core problem prior to that. 
because we now know, and there's no excuse at this point, because we really do know now that one of the number one reasons for clenching or grinding is sleep apnea. So during that apneic event, our body compensates by trying to clench its teeth to help open the airway. I mean, there are other there are other things too, cranial imbalances, even parasites can cause people to clench and grind their teeth. But from a dental perspective, we have to at least rule that out before we go on to say the next phase. Um, and it's the same as I'd say the other foundational thing is periodontal disease. If we're building a house on a weak foundation, it's going to collapse. So we got to make sure that their bone health is good. We got to make sure their gums are healthy. And that's where, you know, what you two do in terms of nutritional background really makes a difference. You got to have that foundation. So trying, for example, to put an implant in someone who has osteopenia or osteoporosis or even just a severe vitamin D deficiency, um, you're going to increase the risk of failure. So it's not just that, you know, that people think dentists are just mechanics. We're just doing mechanical things. We're going to drill a hole, put an implant in there. But what's going to happen long term if we're not doing treating the underlying foundation? So so that was kind of global picture. Then bring it in. We can talk a little more about, you know, how how we address sleep and from infancy to, uh, as I say, from from infancy to whatever, 90 years old. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting what you said about the mechanic. You know, if you think about like a car mechanic compared to a dentist, it's like if you're just going in and like, you know, maybe putting in a new I don't know cars by any means. You're just putting in a new engine, but then you're not also changing the oil and changing the brakes and doing all the other things. Then you might get mad at the mechanic and say, hey, why did this go bad? And it's like, because you're not doing all your other work. So same thing, like you put an implant in, but you're not doing all the nutrition and lifestyle stuff. People are maybe going to get mad at the dentist, but it's not the dentist's fault. Right. Right? And it's interesting you say that because some people will say like when I'm using a torque wrench to torque down the implant, they go, wow, that's like a torque wrench for your valves, tightening your valves or your spark plugs. I'm like, <laughs> it's a little different. We didn't get this from Home Depot. So um, you went to a little, little more schooling as well. <laughs> yeah. And I think the other po- important point about that is we're a biological system, whereas a car doesn't have those other underlying systems, whether it's genetics or digestive issues or other systemic infections. So, uh, you know, so that is strictly mechanical. But yeah, you're right. Mm. So if you're going in for uh, whatever to plug your tire uh, because you got a hole in it, but the front end alignment is off. I mean, it's just gonna the problem's gonna come back. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, holistic is so important. Yeah, so I think back to the sleep apnea issue. I feel like a lot of people have no idea if this is a problem for them. So like, how would you tell someone, or what would you tell them to look out for? Are there certain signs or symptoms? Like, where do we begin? Yeah. Well. Everyone comes in for a comprehensive workup, and one of the questionnaires, or two of them, one of them is, well, actually, there's two that deal strictly with sleep. One's the F-word sleepiness. Uh, So if they have a high number on that, we suspect that. Two, we're looking at their medical history, and then ask them, did you clench or grind? Do you you wake up? Has anyone told you you're snoring? And then the other one uh, deals with TMJ issues, So because a lot of times TMJ issues are because you're clenching. You're clenching because you got an airway issue. So... If we address just the TMJ issue, which we used to do, back back in the 90s, they used to do a lot of surgeries to correct the, whatever derangement was going on in the joint, and they failed miserably. Uh, one, because they were inter- inserting an artificial disc or cartilage, 
over the joint. And plus, they weren't un underlying uh, dealing with the underlying problem, which was clenching or grinding. So, um, so, so that's the first part. And then we will ask the patient, you know, and and in many cases, they deny. <laughs> They're yeah, not sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so one of the questions: Call their spouse and our partner. <laughs> right. Has your spouse told you or your significant other, have they told you that you snore? Well, I, yeah, they, they say I snore a little bit. I said, well, how, how does your significant other sleep? Oh, they sleep like a log. I said, well, so they don't know necessarily what's going on. And I'll tell a little story. We had a patient, uh, I think it was about 60, yeah, around 60, in the 60s, mid 60s. Um, nowhere. He wasn't, wasn't married, never had a girlfriend, lived alone, went to a family function. And someone recorded him sleeping. And then the, the decibels were so high that, you know, they were all laughing, making fun of it. So him not even really thinking of it told us this story. And I said, oh, my God, we need to test this guy. I don't know why we didn't. I think because he had been a patient so long, he hadn't come through the same uh, pathway that most people do now. Sent him home with a sleep study. His AHI, apnea hypopnea index, was 65. So five and under is normal, five to 15, mild. 15 to 30, moderate, above 30, severe, <laughs> above 45 <laughs> is outrageous. Wow. So uh, this this guy was one night away from a severe heart attack or stroke. So I think that kind of answers it, you know, um, the question, how do we know? Because people are in denial. And they, I think there's some, I don't know, sort of a enigma that um, we that don't fully understand. And people just don't want to admit that, like, it's a it's a bad thing, you know? It's like it's like a man saying he cries, right? You, you know, every man never wants to say he cries because it's too emotional, <laughs> you know. And 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 I see this more for men. Men don't want to actually admit that they have a sleep issue or that they snore. So it's generally the spouse that's telling us about the husband. Yeah, yeah. And we've made fun of snoring for so long. Of course, people don't want to come forward and. And that also means that potentially not something's wrong with you, but there is work to be done. So right. then you have an opportunity where you have to show up and do something about it. And that's scary for people as well. I'm curious before even a sleep study, because we have a lot of listeners, obviously, that are super into wearables because we are uh, like the aura ring. What can we potentially spot with something as simple as a data wearable in terms of breathing through the night, obstruction, any dysfunction there? Well, I think probably the most um, valuable metric there is the pulse ox. So what's happening to your oxygen levels? Because uh, you all, and you and I've learned this more from you and your uh, um, guest on there, that the uh, REM is not always that accurate. Deep sleep is probably more accurate. But um, obviously, you can look at those things, too. If someone's got no deep sleep and no REM, they probably have a sleep. But that doesn't tell you if it's a, uh, it could be insomnia. It could be some other sleep disorder breathing. It could be upper airway resistance. But if their pulse ox is dropping throughout the night, they probably have an obstructed airway. Uh, either that or someone's choking them while they're sleeping, which is a whole yeah, other yeah. problem. And what would How, categorize it as dropping or being too low? Like what are the, what kind of numbers are we looking at? Well, I can tell you when we're, because we monitor all our surgical patients. When our patients are having surgery done, we put on pulse ox and blood pressure and heart rate. If anything drops below 91, we get concerned. So immediately I stop the procedure, have the patient take some deep breaths, try to bring their pulse ox back up to 98, 99, or even 100. So, um, so throughout the night, so I've seen pulse ox levels as low as uh, high 60s, low 70s on these sleep studies. 
So that's, I mean, that's horrendous. And I mean, they talked about that quite a bit during COVID, you know, about that being one of the most important things is what's your pulse ox. And I remember when I had COVID, uh, and that was certainly mom's concern because my pulse ox was running around 88. Um, mm. No matter what I do, I couldn't, you know, couldn't get it up. So that's when I went to the office and got the oxygen tank and started doing oxygen myself. And mm. and it was interesting that while I was on oxygen, I could bring the pulse ox back up to 98, 99. As soon as I turn it off, went back to 88. That's wild. Do you ever give patients oxygen during treatment? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll always give it, if we're doing, uh, of course, with nitrous, so you always nitrous. give oxygen as part of it. But we also give it if we're doing any kind of ozone treatment because uh, we want them to, we don't want them to be inhaling the ozone. So they'll be on oxygen. And sometimes we'll just put on somebody. Somebody comes in, for example, with a headache. Great remedy for a headache. Just give them, put them on 100% oxygen. Uh, it just it wow. perfuses the and reduces the hypoxia to the brain, uh, and the headache goes away. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty miraculous because they're like, they're a little bit hesitant. No, I don't believe that's going to help my headache. And they go, wow, my headache's gone. I said, told you. So that happens that's quite a good often. hack. Yeah. How often do you think that headaches or migraines are hypoxia related? It may be uh, a really simplistic question, but. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I don't have an answer because there's so many. I mean, headaches are a lot for it. Yeah. Stress, hormonal, diet, um, got hit in the head, <laughs> cranial yeah, issues, clenching, clenching can cause, certainly cause headaches. Um, I remember one of the first appliances we used for migraines was just a anterior deprogrammer. We put it on the front teeth so that they couldn't touch their back teeth at all and migraines would go away. It was actually a classified medical device for migraines. Mm. Obviously, mm -hmm. there's many other reasons for that. Most likely a byproduct of the structure, airway structure, jaw structure first, then we're not yeah. getting oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a, that's a tough issue. That's, you know, people come in and I say, well, you know, we can address this because a lot of times they're like, I've done this and I've done that and nothing helped. They said, well, let's just, let's just try it. Let's put you on oxygen and see if that helps. Okay. Let's put you in an anterior deprogram, see if that helps. So, um, but you know, as you are well aware of and your listeners and also your guests is that. There's no panacea. You know, people want guarantees, you know, like with everything you do, like if you do this, is that, I mean, I'm going to spend this much money and I don't know if it's going to work. So that, that's sometimes the challenge, which is why in the sleep arena, we use uh, in-office temporary mandibular advancement appliances. So uh, it's very inexpensive. And so we'll put, them, we'll put them on that and see how they're doing, maybe do another sleep study, see if it improves it before they go to the more permanent appliance, which is going to be a lot more costly. So that's, that's a great way. The downside is sometimes they don't want to go to the permanent one. Well, why don't I just use this temporary one? So yeah. So can you, not, can you, you, or will it crack or what? Yeah. Yeah. With time it's going to wear out. Yeah. It doesn't have the, the longevity of a, you know, a permanent appliance. So, but you know, if, if cost is an issue, finance are an issue, it's not a bit, I mean, you're still saving someone's life. Uh, so that's the most important thing. And you'd probably have to go through, I mean, I guess you could make even like maybe 10 temporaries before it was the cost of a permanent one. So so it's not totally a bad idea. It's just uh, they're not as custom made as the one that we would do from the lab. So, Got it. Got it. And so I think another reason maybe some people don't want to do a sleep study or find out if they have sleep apnea, they want to kind of just ignore it is because they don't want to use a CPAP. I hear that all the time. Like, I'd rather just not know because I'm not going to use the CPAP anyways. So right. I wouldn't want to use the CPAP. 
<laughs> I think I, I, told, I think I said this on one of the last is the last one of the first one. Yeah, that, on the last uh, one. Yeah. The comedian who said it's a perfect birth control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're scary. like Darth Vader while you're sleeping. I yeah. can't imagine it's comfortable, but I but I have also heard from patients that it is a game changer because when you are Absolutely. laying in bed wide awake all night, not breathing, when you finally get oxygen, you do sleep through the night. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it takes some time to adjust. But so for the people that don't want to use the CPAP, then the appliance is an option. And then you're also incorporating myofunctional therapy Right. With that, can you explain how that works? Yeah. So going back to the CPAP, I think the stats show only 30% of the people who actually get a CPAP wear them. Um, but those who do, they're life life changing. And you know, if someone comes in the office, I know they have sleep apnea, they say they're wearing a CPAP, I don't talk them out of it. I absolutely do not talk them out of it. Now, if they say I don't want to wear it anymore, uh, so the insurance companies got smart and said, Well, you got to at least wear it for 90 days before we will approve a dental appliance. So mm. Um, and then there's yeah you know, different types of uh, appliances. So one appliance, which we call, which is fairly traditional for most dentists doing sleep who don't have a lot of experience, uh, it's called a mandibular advancement appliance. So basically, what it's doing, it sounds like it's moving your jaw forward, but really what it's doing is keeping your tongue from falling into the back of your throat. So it's holding your jaw forward. The tongue's attached to it. So the tongue, because that's the biggest obstruction. So two two obstructions is the nasal obstruction and the tongue. And the two biggest obstructions for sleep apnea. So that's a mandibular advancement appliance. Again, it's like the CPAP. You're going to have to wear it forever. Um, you know, it's going to be every night. You got to travel with it. it. It'll break. It'll have to be repaired. So there's some downside to it. It's a little less expensive. It's not as much of a commitment. And then my favorite or our favorite, um, and I would say this is with more advanced dentists, is 3D expansion. Um, there's a couple of appliances out there. The Vivos, which was called the DNA which stand for day, daytime, nighttime appliance. And then the FDA said, no, you can't call it that because it sounds like it's epigenetic. And, and actually it was epigenetic. So, but mm, they oh, wow. that. So they changed <laughs> and called it the Vivos. Vivos became this big corporate entity. So they made all these promises. They, we're going to advertise, if you become a member, we'll advertise on the Super Bowl time. And they never did all that. So I started looking for other appliances and I came upon this, what's called the homeoblock. Uh, and the homeoblock is actually the precursor to the Vivos appliance. And I like it so much better. So so the, the whole idea behind that is, and let, I'm going to take a few steps back. Let's go back to, you know, like infancy. So what's happening uh, upon birth? So, so many times in today's modern uh, time, we're not breastfeeding our children. So breastfeeding activates, stimulates the neuromuscular system in the face and jaw to allow growth of the bones. So the jaw bones do not meet their full potential if that's not happening. In addition, the introduction of, when they, they can actually chew, introduction of foods that require chewing, uh, not these soft gooey stuff that they're selling, which is probably not nutritious anyway. So that whole activation is what will stimulate it. So we see a lot of children who have not had that opportunity to breastfeed, or have not had the opportunity to eat real food, have real narrow jaws. So this is the primary number one reason for the increase or explosion, I should say, of orthodontics. Because it's not that we have too many teeth. We have the same number of teeth as our ancestors. Our jaws have gotten smaller. So, And I'm a perfect example because I was never breastfed. 
uh, and I have narrow jaws. I'm actually expanding them. I had four teeth taken out because there wasn't enough room and then put into braces and everything's pulled back. There's actually a, a theory called extraction, extraction, retraction, regret syndrome. So, so teeth taken out, everything pushed back, pushes the tongue back further in the throat. And of course, then everyone's regretful. I said, all right, I wish I never did that. No, you didn't know better. So, uh, and so it's interesting that acronym, extraction, retraction, regrets syndrome. Yeah, yeah, so, very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That acronym is very hilarious. So uh, I'm curious, what can we do for children as far as appliances? Yeah, it's an excellent, excellent question because uh, that's something that's been challenging. Because in the past, we had to wait till they were like six years old and had their first uh, permanent molars in, so that we can actually use some kind of appliance to attach to the teeth. But if we go back to infancy, what what's the underlying cause is they're not being breastfed and they're not having the opportunity to eat solid foods. All that stimulates the neuromuscular system in the face and jaws. Uh, and it's probably the number one reason why you see this explosion in orthodontics. Uh, kids needing braces because the jaws are not big enough. So we got to take teeth out and then straighten the teeth. And that's where kind of that acronym comes from, extraction, retraction, regret syndrome. So now we have pro a number of programs, and I'll just talk about the one we use in this office, but not that this is better. There's there's other uh, similar programs. We use a Healthy Start. Uh, it was designed by an orthodontist. So you can treat a child as young as two years old. Now, we typically don't see them in the office till maybe they're three, uh, but we can tell even at that age that they're going to have uh, some kind of crowding issues. And one of the easiest ways to see if their primary teeth are tight together, meaning there's no space. Of course, the parent thinks, well, they got a perfect bite, right? No space. No, you want space between the primary teeth because the permanent teeth are that much larger. So we can put them into an appliance, which helps with the growth and development. And initially, how it's helping is by stimulating the myofunctional system. Okay, so tongue posture, lip, lip posture, lip seal, swallowing, all these things are soft tissue uh, issues that really are a result of not learning how to breastfeed, not learning where to put your tongue when you swallow, when you speak. So all these things become very um, uh, problematic as they grow, uh, because then if you then throw them in, let's say to uh, orthodontics, when I say orthodontics, I'm talking about braces are now most common, Invisalign, is you haven't really corrected the underlying foundational issue, which is one, correcting the jaw size, and two, getting the tongue position and posture and lip position, lip seal, all these things are important for long-term retention. And one of the things that we see quite common, probably 50% of all orthodontics being done now are on adults that had braces or orthodontics when they were teenagers. So what went wrong that now everything's collapsing? <laughs> now they're going through, and I've even had patients that, yeah, I've gone through it three or four times and their teeth mm -hmm. are crowded. And I'm like, oh my God. Talking about frustration. And if you look at them, you go, go ahead and swallow. And I go, you know, they can't swallow because they don't know where to put their tongue. Like, where's your tongue when you're swallowing? Or they have a to anterior tongue thrust. All those things add to the underlying dysfunction, uh, which then you'll see result in later, sometimes even sooner, teenagers and actually even children, sleep disorder and breathing. So, and along with that sleep disorder breathing, especially in children, you see all these other things, ADD, ADHD, uh, behavioral issues in school, uh, nighttime wedding, thumb sucking, um, emotional issues, 
all these that seem to just disappear when we start to get the soft tissue in the right position and they're actually breathing and sleeping through the night. Hey, biohackers, here is a fun pop quiz for you. How many sailors throughout history died from scurvy caused by a vitamin C deficiency during the time of Columbus? A, 20,000, B, 200,000, C, 2 million. Do you have your answer? All right, drum roll, please. The answer is 2 million. Can you believe 2 million people had to die before we figured out this vitamin deficiency? Here's where it gets even crazier. There is another little-known deficiency right now, potentially hurting millions of people around the world. And the disease it's causing, amongst potentially many things, it is causing insomnia. According to a study published by Academic Press, magnesium deficiency is a leading cause in sleep disruption in both children and adults. The problem is, not just any magnesium will do. Recent studies have shown that there are actually seven different forms of magnesium, and our body needs them in the precisely right balance for proper sleep. There's really only one magnesium supplement on the market that has the full spectrum of all seven forms, and it is called Magnesium Breakthrough. I know you have heard us talk about it because we love this product so much. I have to tell you, when I take this stuff, I just feel complete, like my body is finally getting something that it's been desperately needing for a long time. If you want to learn more about this formulation, Magnesium Breakthrough, you can go to magbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes and use the code biohackerbabes10 to get 10% off your first bottle. If it doesn't fix your sleep, your digestion, and energy levels like it did for us, or if you're not satisfied for any reason, they will give you a very prompt and courteous refund on the spot guaranteed. Again, to check it out, go to magbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes and use our code biohackerbabes10 to get 10% off of your first bottle. There is a very good chance that this is the missing link that your body has been craving, and we do not want you to miss out. All right, biohackers, let's get back to the show. That's so amazing. I used to suck my thumb as a child. What what was that doing? What was that ancestral need to suck? Uh, the belief is that you're stimulating the cranial sacral system. So the upper jaw, uh, which quite often is too narrow, uh, there's a suture that runs right down the middle of it. So when you have incomplete uh, structural growth, you don't get that full expansion and contraction and expanse. So the putting the thumb up there actually helped. It's, this is like, can be an orthodontic appliance. So, is that why you let me do it for so long? <laughs> yes, I knew it was good for you. I got to a certain age. And I think you and mom were like, enough. But I did it for a long time. Yeah, well, yeah. There, I mean, also there's then becomes a habit. So it's habitual and that then can become detrimental to the long-term success. So there is a certain period of time, just like if you're using some specific pacifier. I mean, if you're 16 years old using a pacifier, there's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's questionable maybe yeah <laughs> yeah well it's funny because like the other extreme is ryan my husband um his teeth are so straight and he had braces i think when he was maybe eight years old and he never wore a retainer yeah and they're still straight and never needed braces again i'm like i feel like that is such a rare case yeah he's so, an anomaly uh, in a lot of situations he's ryan bells are you case are you really human? I think Tell he's us. a hybrid. He's from. He's an alien from another planet, different dimension. Well, I don't know. You know, 
I don't know whether he was breastfed or not, but when I look at his arch, he has that nice, wide, what we call gothic arch or kind of horseshoe shape. So, so that is what is actually we're trying to accomplish when we use appliances. Because once you expand the bone, the teeth aren't going to collapse back in. If the if the arches are still narrow, the teeth are going to collapse back in. And if you have not corrected the soft tissue, especially the tongue posture, then all that's going to cause re, re, uh, reactivation of this orthodontic issue. Mm. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I think Brian was breastfed. I mean, he was like a water birth, breastfed, ate dirt as a kid. His mom. Thanks right. for his mom. She did it yeah. right. Yeah. She did it so right. Yeah. I'm really curious. What are some other reasons for the tongue being in the suboptimal posture or just kind of getting in the way? Is that solely because of lack of breastfeeding? Is it lack of nutrients? What else are we seeing? I would say the primary reason is because they didn't breastfeed and if they were given a bottle. So there's a big difference in the sucking that occurs with the breast nipple versus the bottle. Uh, with the nipple, uh, breast nipple, you're pressing the tongue up against the nipple, and that's what causes the release of the milk down the ba- baby's throat. In a bottle, you don't, you're not pressing the tongue up against the palate, so you don't get that expansion. So that expansion that you're getting from breastfeeding is actually stimulating growth and development of the maxilla. The maxilla is really the biggest issue, not the mandible, because remember, the mandible actually moves. Uh, it's not part of the cranial system, so the mandible will act accordingly to what's happening in the upper jaw. So the upper jaw needs to be expanded, which also causes expansion of the nasal passages, improves breathing. But also, I think what's important, especially from your perspective, because this is a nutritional issue, what are kids fed things that are creating allergies, food allergies, food intolerances at a young infant, what causes them what? To be clogged. They can't breathe through their nose. Here's the key, mouth breathing, (laughs) mouth breather, mouth breather. So, so the so are the allergies causing the nasal constriction and then the mouth breathing or is yeah. it okay so it's not the poor jaw structure tongue posture causing the constriction sounds like yeah. chicken or the egg so the so when the maxilla is is not up and round like a like I said a U shape or horseshoe it's more like this this tip is pressing into what's called the vomer bone which goes right into the nasal cavity so that that. So once you widen this, the nasal floor drops down and opens up the nasal passages. So, but you're not going to see that in someone who is eating foods that they're intolerant to. And the other thing then results, it's, it's all a sequela. So once you're mouth breathing, what happens? Air is going to the back of the throat, causes inflammation and, and enlargement of the tonsils. Okay. So now you have another problem. So what do they do with that? Well, if you get take them out, <laughs> antibiotics, or yeah, take take them out, take those out, take out the adenoids, and now they have immune issues for the rest of their life. So you got to get to the core issue, which we're trying to do. I say with the Healthy Start program, and that in conjunction with myofunctional therapy. So we now have uh, a new hygienist here who is trained in myofunctional therapy. So she's working with these children in conjunction with the habit correctors uh, from Healthy Start. Uh, interesting is that. In the early 90s, uh, that's why you all call me the OG, right? I had a myofunctional therapist in my office in the early 90s because I was treating mostly orthodontics and TMJ. Um, the state dental board actually called me out on it and wanted to know why I had a myofunctional therapist in my office. So I, you're I, like, you're like, because I'm way ahead of the curve. That's why. Yeah. 
Well, I politely answered them with information. Uh, my gut feeling was like, it's not my duty to educate you. <laughs> educate yourself. So, so I was, so I understood the function of that, but it was interesting because I was doing that. Uh, I wasn't getting referrals from the orthodontics community for treating TMJ, which was really kind of my expertise then, because they thought I was just a little bit off the wall. What's myofunctional therapy? What do you mean you're not extracting teeth? What do you mean you're expanding the jaws? Um, in fact, another story. So I know we're getting some more stories, but this was the, the first time I ever was brought up to the state or, or had a lawsuit was I had a patient who was referred to me by a chiropractor because uh, they had chronic headaches. So I put the patient into an expansion appliance. This was in early 90s and her headaches went away. I mean, completely went away. She went then to her dentist, family dentist, and they freaked out. They said, what in the world is this dentist doing? Because when you do that expansion, the teeth aren't meeting anymore. Okay. That's why it's it's phase one expansion, phase two braces and or aligners or Invisalign. Okay. But that's all this dentist said. I hadn't gotten to phase two. Um, so make a long story short, when I was called in for deposition by the attorney, I brought in like a stack of information about jaw expansion and the purpose of it in 3D manipulation. And they were like, oh, we were told that this was some experimental thing that you made up and like, <laughs> okay, case dismissed. So get out so, of here. Wow. So that's part of the problem, as you know, misinformation, misinformation. So and and I tried to call the dentist, try to explain what I was doing, didn't want to hear it. So anyway, that was yeah. we're talking 30 years ago. So this now come forward to 2023. Dentists are much more open to that. I know orthodontists still do a lot of extraction. So I don't understand why. Uh, and well, yeah. actually, I do know why. Because it's simple, it's easy, it's fast. Get them in, get them out. So anyway, that's that's kind of the long yeah. history of orthodontics and how it's important and why we'd like to do the comprehensive approach because we can evaluate the airway. Do they have an airway issue? Let's address that too. Let, in conjunction with that, let's expand the arches, which is also going to reduce the uh, long-term relapse of orthodontic treatment. And then we put them into aligners or braces and they got a nice arch, they're breathing well. These are healthier individuals. I mean, we just created a healthier adult. Yeah. yeah. I have a quick follow-up question about breastfeeding for the mothers who maybe want to breastfeed, but can't for some reason. What do you suggest? Um, there are other appliances on the market that can stimulate uh, the same kind of um, growth and development. Or like I said, we have specific appliances. I happen to use the one from coming called Healthy Start because yeah. So, so oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I almost forgot. One of the reasons they can't breastfeed is they're tongue-tied. So quite often now, more, more nurses are advanced and understand this. So they'll send them to a dentist, you know, as an infant right after the born to clip that, that attachment under the tongue because if they can't push the tongue up against the breast, they cannot expel the milk from the breast. So, mm. and, and then of course, tongue tied also creates further problems down the road. Um, because if you look at the fascia that runs underneath that freedom, it runs all the way down to your toes. So that can cause, we've seen this with, we release the fascia, release the tongue tie and the fascia lets go and, and suddenly their back pain goes away. Their knee pain goes away just from doing this little clip. And it's phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. You still see a lot of adults with tongue ties. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's the huh. the issue with, you know, 
I think in anything, parents are very pro treatment for their children. They want their children to be healthy. They want them to be the best. They want to be the best athletes, the best students, you know, everything. But when they get to the adult age, you know, I tell them, look, you got a very tight freedom. Well, it's not bothering you. Well, how do you know it's not bothering you? So, so when, so sometimes it takes a lot of education and time and in, in teaching them like, Hey, can you stick your tongue out? And they go, no, I said, stick your tongue out. And they go, no, you can't stick your tongue out. And then I show them the picture of this beautiful graph that was done. It's a picture of the whole fascial plane. It was done. You can actually see it on YouTube. They do the actual dissection. And you can see the attachment under the tongue, all the way down the spine, all the way down the thighs to the legs to the toes. So, And a lot of these people, when you release that, they say, oh, my God, I had no idea. So they don't know what they don't know. You know, and you... You experience that, right? People think they're they're healthy, and then you treat their gut or something, and they go, "Wow, I didn't know I could actually feel this good." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're uncovering a lot. I mean, that's a huge web, like Lauren said. So that's pretty impressive. And so back to the kids. So say you know, for whatever reason the mother can't breastfeed, like Lauren was asking, um, if that kid does need an appliance, what is the youngest they can do the healthy start appliance? Two, two years old. Okay. Yeah, I think anything younger than that, they're just not going to be able to tolerate it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting because we get some kids, like, I mean, we say, like, if such if it's a young boy, say, do you watch hockey or you watch football? You know, they put those things in their mouth. Like, who's your superhero? And you go, yeah, you can be just like, you know, just like oh. Kobe Bryant or you can be like whatever your superstar is. And then they like, oh, yeah, they put it in their mouth. And then other yeah. kids, just they, oh, fight the cool. whole, they fight the whole thing. So it's really motivational and it requires a hundred percent compliance from the parent and the parent comes back in and says oh well tommy just doesn't want to wear it like wait a minute who's the parent here you need Whoops. you need to have tommy <laughs> yeah. wear this come so, on tommy <laughs> what are you doing yeah. oh, come on mom and dad well, tommy, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i'm Sure, that's I'm sure that's hard. I'm sure some kids really fight back, but I love the the hockey idea. I could see a lot of little kids getting into that. Yeah, and we give rewards too if they're wearing it. We come in, we say you've been wearing it, and they'll say, Oh, yeah, I wear it all the time. You look at it and it has no wear. I mean, these things get worn out. So we know if they're wearing it or not. And I go, that you're not wearing it. Uh oh, <laughs> yeah. Lie detector. Yeah. Funny, sometimes a sibling will be in the room to go, he's not wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best lie detector test just bring in the whole family someone right. will tell somebody will tell. <laughs> certainly yeah. sounds like something i would have said about lauren yeah. <laughs> when, we, when we were kids <laughs> no she's, she's still, still sucking her thumb, sucking her thumb. <laughs> yeah totally uh, i'm curious beyond the breastfeeding once we have teeth and we start chewing you know chewing is really important right and the modern diet is just full of soft foods <laughs> I love smoothies, but they're soft and they don't require a lot of chewing. And there's just a lot of soft food in general, especially in this country. So what are the implications with not chewing and what happens to jaw structure as we age, like beyond the breastfeeding age? Well, there's a normal progression of uh, loss of what we call arch length. Uh, So our jaws actually get smaller. Uh, The teeth don't shrink. So that's one reason why you might see some relapse and crowding and lower the lower front lower front teeth in in uh, age population. So interesting. There's been studies, and it's not new. It's been out for a couple of years. Is those patients that are edentulous, meaning they have no teeth, which means they have to only eat soft foods or smoothies or shakes. They can't chew. Higher increase of cognitive 
decline in Alzheimer's. So, so there is actually some instant relief from neural inhibition. So we want to stimulate the brain. This is part of it. Because remember, the trigeminal nerve innervates all of this. It's the largest of the 12 cranial nerves. It innervates right under the eyes, the upper jaw, the lower jaw, and even into the neck. So if all this is shut off because you can't chew, then you're not stimulating all those other cranial nerves, especially like the vagus nerve. But but they've shown cognitive decline in Alzheimer's is increased for people who, who don't have teeth to chew. So. Yeah. I would add to that something I learned recently that chewing stimulates the release of GLP-1. GLP-1 is what's in all of those drugs, Ozempic, all of the weight loss drugs. They're using oh. them as weight loss drugs, but they really are metabolic syndrome drugs right? To help your glucose metabolism. And what is like a main trigger of neurodegenerative conditions is metabolic syndrome. So without the chewing, we don't release the GLP-1. People are running to the doctor for a weight loss drug rather than just chewing more. So is the GLP coming from the saliva? What's causing that? Um, It's released throughout the body. There's this release from many organs, but um, it is, there's an entire pathway that then stimulates same as digestion, Di- like right salivary enzymes begins the process of digestion. Right. A piece yeah, of so it. If you're not chewing, you're not getting amylase. So you're not going to break down carbs as well as someone who can chew adequately. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. So the mouth is such an important part of the body that people just yeah. take for granted. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've said this on the podcast many times that just like the smoothie thing. I, I'm, I know I'm not alone, but I could just suck down a 20 ounce su- smoothie with a straw and and still feel hungry mm-hmm. in my head oh, I hear I still that all the hungry. time yeah lack of satiety it's so in all and so now I know better right I make it a really thick smoothie I eat it with a spoon or I like drink it like sludge but if yeah. I'm out and about and I happen to buy a smoothie and I do I'm like I just need to bite one thing and chew it and I know that signal will go away yeah. it's so wild you can also and you probably know this chew your smoothie so, right. That's what I'm saying. I make it like really yeah. thick where it's like yeah, thicker, yeah, add I some think, crunchies. Yeah. I love sprinkling coconut or cacao nibs or nuts on top to force you. Oh right. yeah. That, or bee pollen. Really hurt. Bee pollen. Also, when, you hurt stuck through the straw, when you stuck through the straw, you got to use the orbicularis oris muscles. So you're stimulating those muscles also. So you're getting some musculoskeletal and neural stimulation. Oh, that's a good thing to use a oh, straw. Oh, it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I but make your cause... smoothies thick so you have to suck harder. Right, exactly. But then you get the wrinkles. <laughs> oh, the I would rather wrinkles. have my brain work and have wrinkles. That's what I choose. Oh, All right. There's a, it's not a panacea. <laughs> that is interesting. They're making those large water bottles now with the hole in the top so that you don't have to do that sucking. People are recommending it to avoid wrinkles. I think it's oh really ridiculous. Yeah. Is is that in fact true that that causes more wrinkles? I don't know. Yeah, I mean you're, you do it enough. I mean, I mean people smiling. have these facial muscle exercises. They're supposed to really help. So I don't know how. It's I different. think it's actually biting you in the butt in the end because if you're not then using those muscles or chewing, you're going to have poor glucose metabolism, at, which will lead to metabolic syndrome, which leads to wrinkles. So yeah. gotcha anyways. <laughs> yeah. One yeah. way or another, it's going to get you. Yeah. Well, now there's estheticians that are doing uh, muscle stimulation on the yeah. face to get mm-hmm. rid of wrinkles. So. Yeah. So, right. yeah, like the old TENS units that we used to use yeah. for right. muscle stimulation. Yeah. 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 
So crazy. So, All right. Chew and suck. That's your advice. Exactly. That's the takeaway. What else do we need to know? <laughs> well, I think what when we're talking about sleep, this is an area that I think is really has some explanation and some um confusion is what we call AHI, which I talked about before, apnea hypopnea index. So the standard medical is it, it you're saying someone at 5.1 has sleep apnea, but someone at 4.9 does not. I mean, that's ridiculous. So it and, and you know, just from using, you know, other sleep metrics that every night's different. So we do recommend multi-night home sleep studies because one night just may not give you the information that we really need. So we had a patient came in. He's a kind of a he's a biohacker. He says, can I do this five nights? I want to collect as much data as I can. I said, yeah, absolutely. I would love for you to do that because most people complain and they have to even do it once. So um, I said, so the more data, and it was interesting. <laughs> Each night gave us different information. The other thing is if someone has an existing appliance, let's say something for grinding, we'll definitely do a two night, one with it, one without. Great. Again, data is important. You guys stress that all the time is that sometimes we'll see when they wear the splint, the bruxism goes down, but their sleep apnea gets worse. So this is why you got to be super careful about make someone comes in and says, I grind my teeth. Can you give me an appliance? Or they go to Dick's Sporting Goods and make their own you know, boiling bite. Then you could actually be creating a more serious sleep issue by putting some appliance in there that's not proper for you. So mm. again, good data. And I said, and then also if someone comes back with a, say, 4.9, say, oh, you don't have sleep apnea, but their EPWAR score is like 16. They got a sleep problem. And they know I'm fatigued. I'm falling asleep while I'm driving. Don't tell me you don't have a sleep issue. So maybe it's upper airway resistance. And the other thing that I've seen is when I do help correct people's sleep apnea, well, when you have sleep apnea, you're usually quite fatigued. So you can fall asleep. You don't even realize it. You're waking up. You're falling back to sleep. You're gasping for air. You fall back to sleep. You wake up. You're tired. When we when we improve their the sleep apnea, now they got insomnia. <laughs> it's like so now we created another issue. So that's where you know you got to have like a sleep physician, or is it upper airway resistance? Whether they need certain nutrition, nootropics, and all the stuff that you talk about with helping with sleep, and what Molly talks about and. Her podcast is that there's so much more to it than just sleep apnea. Sleep apnea basically is a structural issue, um, but there's so many other things in terms of sleep, you know, sleep hygiene. I don't need to go into all that because you all talk about that and your listeners know about that. And I said, it's not a panacea. So you can correct somebody's sleep apnea. Now, then the question is, what's worse, sleep apnea or insomnia? I mean, I would take insomnia over sleep apnea, you know. Consomnia is usually a long-term chronic issue that's going to catch up with you. Sleep apnea could be one night you have a stroke, you have a heart attack, and it's you're done. So mm. um, you know, the first symptom for many people is one heart attack and they die. So you, that's pretty risky. People don't typically die of a heart attack from insomnia. They'll create all these other issues, metabolic issues, obviously. Um, yeah. And so I think that's important to really address that. And so that's why I said we look at it from a global perspective. It's not just because I know some dentists, they, the only thing they do is they make everybody a mandibular advancement appliance. They're not looking at the big picture. So I think that's really important when you say, and that's why I love when you say, let's look at the global and then let's bring it down. Um, and then again, I said, it's not the panacea. So 
if I give you a sleep appliance and you're still eating at McDonald's, uh, you're still eating non-organic food. I mean, you have other issues. Uh, and that reminds me kind yeah. of a story. A patient came in, he had severe periodontal disease. Uh, and I said, well, you know, you're still smoking. That's a contributor, not just to, to periodontal disease, but other, obviously, respiratory issues. Uh, well, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop smoking. I said, well, then I can't. I can't help you with your periodontal disease. So all you can do is educate. They, they have to make the choice for themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, you said you just educate them and then they decide how important it is. And unfortunately, most of our population does not make active, positive decisions until something happens. So it takes that because, you know, we, we see the strong correlation between periodontal disease and heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, but people don't want to do anything about it. Once they have a heart attack, then they want to address it. So let's get, you know, let's get on the preventive wagon, but that's not the country we live in, unfortunately. But thankful for podcasts like yours that people are waking up and seeing the difference. I mean, I think people are deaf. I mean, when you start seeing regular grocery stores having sections of organic food, you know they're losing market share. So market share is what drives everything. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely more of a reactive country, but you're right. I think we're changing. And actually I just saw the other day, there's a new wellness resort in California. Granted, California tends to be a little bit ahead of the curve, but when you check in, you get a whoop band to track your sleep and everything while you're there for seven nights. And then they have a sleep expert that will like analyze your sleep. They put together your fitness plan, your nutrition plan, everything based off of HRV, resting heart rate, all of these things. And then when you go home, you get continued coaching and you get to keep the whoop band for a year. Yeah. And I'm like, that's there's smart. probably more resorts around the country doing that. That was just the first one I had heard of. And I'm like, like, that's pretty cool. I'm sure people are going to be giving away aura rings and things. So things are changing. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering yeah, if Huberman is behind that. It sounds like. Oh, his thing. maybe. Where yeah. does he live? Who's that? Huberman. Yeah, I, I thought know. in California, but he's connected to whoop now, right? Doesn't he have the HRV tracking? Yeah. Maybe, but I, the, the resort is like $1,500 a night. So it's not for everyone, but can put a price on health. No, again, I would say, what's the big global picture? How are they just addressing one section of it? You know, especially when I hear, uh, and we've had this discussion before about mouth taping, you know, that's like become the big greatest thing. And people are mouth taping when they can't even breathe through their nose. Um, so don't put, don't put tape on your mouth and close your mouth. I mean, you cannot breathe through your nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please address mm-hmm. that. So how do you know if there's an issue? Well, again, go back to the comprehensive approach we take. Everyone gets a 3D comb beam. We evaluate every nasal passage. We look at the turbinates. We need to look at their airway from the nasal passage on down. So we can determine what's the best for you, which may be different than your spouse or your children. Or So everybody's a little bit different. But you got to have that information. Otherwise, you're just guessing, you know. And so yeah. a patient comes in, for example, and they've ground their teeth down to nothing. They go, oh, I don't grind my teeth. I mean, I hear this <laughs> quite often. Well, they'll say, oh, my previous dentist ground my teeth down. I said, yeah, I don't think so. So let's do a sleep study. And more, they're just grinding. They've got, you know, severe sleep apnea, and they're just in total denial. So going back to what I said before, if you take that patient and rebuild their teeth, to look like normal teeth that they ground down and not address the sleep apnea, you're creating more of a problem because now you're giving them more to grind on. So, and I learned that early on when I had a patient came in who had a denture completely worn down 
And I tried to build it back up to where it looked natural. It couldn't tolerate it. Couldn't tolerate it. They had adapted to this new, we call vertical position. So I had to bring them up very slowly. When in those days, we weren't even looking at sleep apnea. So I'm sure that person had sleep apnea. So, mm-hmm. so wow. a lot of good stories. Uh, other stories uh, recently, actually, we see quite often getting kind of off of the sleep thing, but cavitations and, and removing uh, abscess root canals. We had a patient just uh, yesterday. She, she had like no uh, range of motion in her left shoulder. So she couldn't lift her arm more than like that. Had Did the extraction. She's walking up the hall like this. I mean, immediately. That was arm an abscess. So cool. Yeah. yeah. Abscess so, root canal? Yep. Abscess root canal. We see this all the time. We see musculoskeletal things, back pain, lower pain, lower back pain, knee pain, things go away. So can you explain that? So there's anaerobic bacteria growing, which causes an inflammatory oxidative stress response. Is that what's happening? And body goes into survival mode by limiting range of motion. Yeah, that's part of it. But also the toxins that are being released. So these uh, we call mercaptans and thioethers that are released from the infected tooth or infected cavitation. They then get into the system. So it's a systematic. So it's generally going to attack that sort of the weakest part of the body. So she probably had some underlying, you know, shoulder issues and it's mm. just, so it attacked that. So the, um, also those mercaptans and thioethers, these uh, endotoxins will cause hypercoagulability. So there's thicker blood. Uh, it affects the uh, ATP production. Uh, we've seen that clearly when we measure enzyme um, activity, you see lower enzyme activity, especially those who are producing ADP and ATP. But mm, yeah, but I think there's also an energetic connection. <laughs> so that tooth was probably on the shoulder, part of the shoulder meridian that runs down here, like the gallbladder runs through the shoulder. So we see that quite often, like with um, teeth that are on the breast meridian and pe- women come in and said, yeah, yeah, I've been recently been diagnosed with breast cancer or I have lumps or something's going on and it's in, on the same side. So it's interesting. Yeah. 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 And what about the difference between like an abscessed root canal and a quote unquote healthy, normal root canal. Like, are you seeing <laughs> kind of all the same things? Cause you know, people think, Oh, it's a healthy root canal. Right. What so, um, that's sort of uh, an oxymoron. <laughs> for yeah. I'm concerned. And I can say this with confidence because you know that I did root canals for 25, 30 years. Well, 20, 20 years, 20, 25 years. Uh, I stopped in the early uh, 2000. 2001. Yeah. So you have to test them. So if someone's saying, I'm doing this procedure, like the newest and greatest thing is using lasers and um, ozone. I was like, wait a minute. I, I was doing that in the mid 90s. You know, and I thought it was great. I thought I was doing a better root canal. And then they came out with testing. So I would always say to somebody, if you have a root canal, you're not prepared to get it out. It's asymptomatic. Have it tested. I mean, it's an easy test, do the DNA test, see what's growing there. Okay. But I generally find some other underlying thing going on. I see a lot of mold and Lyme patients. Um, and once we address that, that's like the interference field. So in answer, like Lauren, when you asked about the shoulder, what else is, I mean, there's an energy pathway that's being disrupted. So um, that's, that's definitely a big issue. So, and that's, you know, energy, me- we're moving more towards energy medicine, no doubt. So, I mean, people are becoming more aware of it. So that's one of the things we see. So we do see that quite often. In the sleep arena, we see 
patients saying, you know, I'm sleeping better. I'm sleeping through the night. I feel like I'm breathing. And the, the interesting thing also is that they feel like when they go to the gym, they're breathing better or they're running, they're breathing better. So it's not just a nighttime issue. When you have an obstructed or small constriction in the airway, it's affecting you during the daytime. The thing is the baroreceptors in your lungs don't pick it up as, as well, we'll pick it up so that it adjusts to so that you can breathe. So you're not gasping for air unless obviously you're running at full speed. But it's not the same as when you're laying down horizontal and everything's collapsing in the back of your throat. And you don't have those baroreceptors to protect you. That's when the issues really occur. But think about if we're addressing that problem at night, we're also improving the daytime airway. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. I wanted to circle back to the cone beam because I think it's just such a cool diagnostic. You can see so much, not just the jaw structure, but like you said, the turbinates, which one, maybe you can explain the turbinates, but they can get inflamed. And I would love to hear all the reasons for that, but also like cervical alignment while your head is sitting on top of the rest of your spine, which I think in the realm of chiropractors, PTs, personal trainers, a lot of people are talking about forward head, but this is something you really look at the alignment of the cervical spine, and then how does the nose, mouth, or the lips and the chin line up? Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, it's all about, you know, body symmetry. So if um, and another story I'll throw out before I can explain that. I remember like, this stories. is where Renee gets it from. Yeah. <laughs> Storytellers. Yeah. When mom and I used to uh, run 5Ks and I remember, and I hate running, I still do, but uh, we did it because we knew it was healthy. So, and I remember this man running past me and he was as crooked as could be, his skeletal structure. But so he had adapted to this weird skeletal abnormality, but he was still could outrun me. And I'm like, this isn't fair. <laughs> so we can adapt to these asymmetries. Most people aren't completely symmetrical. The more symmetrical we are, and you know that through your your experience in, in training, that the better the body works. And we did some of these things early in the 90s where we were testing athletes by putting appliances in there and balancing out their bite and their TMJ. They actually got stronger. They had better endurance. So, so it really makes a difference. Um, but then if you go back to the cone beam, you can see that. So for example, we'll look at the TMJ. One will be higher than the other. Now, how can someone function properly when their jaw is not doing this, but doing that? <laughs> it's going off to one side. So, but because the body's so amazing, it can adapt to these weird things. So when I see that and I explain to a patient, I said, do you have any clicking, popping, headaches, jaw pain? Can you open wide all this? And they go, no. Then I said, well, then we're just going to watch it. We're not going to treat it. Uh, If they are having those problems, then we will address it. And we want to try to create through osteopathic manipulation and using appliance therapy to get those joints balanced. So, but, but first, what do we need to do? Look at the sleep issue, because if they have an airway issue and they're clenching their teeth, that may be what's causing this asymmetry. Um, The other thing, as you said, Lauren, the turbinates, turbinates, are inside the nose. So the septum comes down the middle. On each side, you got superior, middle, inferior turbinates. They humidify the air. Uh, they uh, filter the air and they produce nitric oxide. So here's another reason why people may have high blood pressure. They're not getting nitric oxide stimulation from the nose, also from the oral cavity. So if you're using Listerine and killing all the good microbiome, that may be a cause. You know, um, Nathan talks about that, Nathan Bryan. 
And when I first heard that, he said, by using these mouthwashes, it can raise your blood pressure. I said, you got to be kidding me. And then it made sense when he explained it. So mm-hmm. some of these simple things that people were doing, oh, I'm using Listerine. I'm killing the good, the bad bacteria. You're killing the good bacteria. So yeah. anyway, I kind of got off on a tangent there. But uh, yeah, so going back to this, what's causing these turbinates to become swollen and inflamed? Environmental toxins and food sensitivities and intolerances. So it's not just the whatever for the dairy, the gluten, the wheat, and the soy. It's so many other things. And I know you all do that testing, which is really important. I think anybody who cannot breathe adequately through their nasal passage, as we talked about before, then they become a mouth breather, and that creates additional sequela uh, that can cause metabolic issues. Uh, so Got to get them breathing. Got to get them breathing. So, and it's not just about taping your mouth, and it's not about just doing breathing exercises. If you're stuffed up, <laughs> you got to address. And most of the time, and you guys know this better than anybody, it's a gut issue. So what's going on with the gut? So that's causing you. So I have people will hold one side and say, can you breathe? Yeah. Can you breathe? Yeah. Hold your hand over your mouth. Can you breathe? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) We know they got a nasal passage issue, but then I can pull the cone beam up and we can see these. I mean, I I would say 70% or more of my patients have expanded, inflamed, and large turbinates. Again, again, to make it clear, because it's not a panacea, I will point that out to the patient. I say, you have any breathing problems? We'll go through that exercise. No problem. So the body can adapt to these irregularities. So, But if they do have a breathing problem, and we're going to treat their sleep apnea, and we're going to use mouth taping, i got to address that first. So do we send them to an ENT or better to a nutrition coach, probably, <laughs> get their gut cleaned up? No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will say personally, like I had a cold last week and I was so congested and I, the hardest thing was sleeping. I cannot sleep if I can't breathe through my nose. And I'm literally laying there trying to mouth breathe and I can just feel my sympathetic nervous system like revving up. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to fall asleep. So after like a bottle full of xylitol nasal spray, I could finally breathe and sleep. But, and it's funny, even like Ryan was like, can you try like some mouth tape? I'm like, oh, you no. want me to die? You want me to die? <laughs> yeah, get, out the duct, get out the duct tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check yeah. your life insurance policy first. Yeah. No, that's an oh, interesting point painful. about the nervous system, right? Like we do get the parasympathetic downregulation through nasal breathing. So if someone is mouth breathing, we would definitely see nervous system dysregulation, more sympathetic, fight or flight, right? Cortisol dysregulation, which then harms the gut. We get leaky gut. It's just... On and on. Yeah. Never ending. So the way I explain that to patients, so they don't, so they fully understand. So when you're running as hard as you can, where do you breathe through? Mouth. Mouth. Yeah. Because you're in sympathetic fight or flight. You know, you should be while you're exercising. Yeah. Yeah. So now ideally you would train to only breathe through your nose and build up. So I remember Mm -hmm. that Ayurvedic medicine that they talked about. Only train to the point where you don't have to breathe through your mouth. And then if you continue to do that, and that's assuming that you can actually breathe through your nose. But I mean, mm-hmm. and I we talked about food intolerance. What about all the environmental toxins that are out there? I mean, there's so much stuff in the air now. You know, look at the air quality. <laughs> People, I mean, it's incredible how difficult it is to stimulate the respiratory system. And, and interesting is that this um, where's that article I had? 
Oh, the what you call airway-centric dentistry, they're now calling it craniofacial respiratory complex. So mm -hmm. interesting. So this affects this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So people have COPD or they have other respiratory issues. Is it going, is it starting here? So, and as you had mentioned just a second ago, the sequela and pathways that occur as a consequence of something that started over here. And of course, our, our medical community always wants to, to treat the symptom. So um, instead of what's, what's the, like, what was your, what caused your nose to be clogged up? You know, yeah. you know, you had a viral exposure, uh, but these people have chronic, and yours was an acute, Renee, but if you had a chronic issue like that, you got to address that from a more global perspective. And, oh, and I, yeah. in, in nasal sprays, I, I recommend people use it three or four times during the day. Don't just do it while you go to bed. Keep that nasal breathing is so important. Well, like a xylitol nasal spray or a silver nasal spray, right? Not right. something like no, not Afrin, Afrin right, Lauren? Yeah. We've learned about the Afrin. Don't do it too much, people. That is an emergency <laughs> case thing. Yeah, the um, I was actually reading a lot about the, what do they call it? Congestion rebound, rebound oh, yeah. congestion. Yep, oh, my. oh my gosh. I was reading some terrible things online. It was frightening. Yeah, you become addicted, and then it causes place. that rebound effect. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. Where's my iPhone? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, short term, very short term. Yeah. I'm curious with the turbinates, the inflammation, how often are you seeing clients come in and, and realize that there's a mold issue, a mold exposure, whether they know it or not? Would you say that's um, on the rise? Absolutely. And I think it's because of the referral sources I have with other health practitioners. That are treating mold, they send them to me. Ah. So, so I end up yeah. seeing probably more mold patients than your typical standard dental practice. Mold and Lyme are probably the biggest things because what happens is they hit a certain plateau and um, they can't get any better. So something else is going on. So, and and every one of them, even though they're sent to me for say cavitations or an abscess root canal to evaluate, guess what I do first? I evaluate their sleep always evaluate their sleep because they're not mm -hmm. sleeping. You're not healing. I don't care what mm -hmm. you have. So you can cure that line, but it's going to be difficult if you're not sleeping. So, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, Sleep's and as you said, one. Renee, you couldn't sleep because you couldn't breathe. And I remember this uh, conference I went to and the chiropractor gets up there and he goes, I'm going to tell you now about the number one reason why people don't sleep. And I'm going, yeah, it's airway. He goes, no, it's pain. When you're in pain, you don't sleep. So. If you're suffering yeah. from something, you know, you're itching, you got ah, you got hives, you got uh, some kind of upper respiratory issues, or you have knee pain, back pain, all those things keep you from sleeping. So now we're not talking about, they don't even get into obstructive sleep apnea because they don't fall asleep long enough. Mm -hmm. so, Interesting. Another issue. So, yeah. So yeah. I think the important takeaway from this is, which where you started, Lauren, was the global, like, we're coming back here, but then it just keeps expanding. Like it affects this, affects that, affects the brain, affects the gut, affects the skeletal system. Everything is, you know, there's no one thing. And I and um, I think that's interesting when you get people who, especially practitioners, who say, "Oh, well, if you just drink this one thing or you take this one product, it's going to solve all your issues." And I'm like, "No way," you know, yeah. because somebody had a Somebody took some multi-level marketing product. Well, they were so deficient in nu nu nutrient values 
that they felt better. Of course they did. They finally put something healthy in their body. It doesn't make it a panacea. So yeah. Anyway, and yeah. and just that everyone is different. I mean, I'm over here yeah. raving about the brain tap all the time. I love it. I feel amazing after every time I do it. But I have actually talked to people that say they don't feel it. They're like, right. I don't, I don't get it. I do it, and I don't feel any different. Doesn't mean the brain tap is good or bad. It just we're all different. Yeah. So. And there's so many other factors that we just just can't compile all of those factors into one bucket, you know. And we didn't even touch on genetics. So yeah, I'm always curious what the behavioral change is that coincides with the device or the therapy, right? Because it's a great illumination to what behaviors maybe cause the symptoms in the first place. So sometimes it's just creating a space in the container for better behaviors. And that's why people feel miraculous. It's like, how do we, yes, I think the device, the therapy is invaluable as well, but we have to look at behaviors first. Yeah. And I think that gets into the whole idea of placebo. Uh, what's your belief system? Like, what is your personal belief system? Do you buy into what the practitioner says? And does the practitioner actually believe in what they're doing, because a lot of them will just do what they were taught or trained without really fully engaging in it. I mean, it's some. It's like, for example, a physician who's teaching you, uh, you know, the danger to smoking as he's puffing on a cigarette, or he's talking about obesity and it's got this huge barrel for a gut. I mean, do you really buy into that? So, but if you see someone who, and that's why I always talk about my case. I said, yeah, I'm doing expansion, so they feel like wow, this guy actually doesn't just preach it. He believes in it. And so if you can get them to buy into that, you have much better success. And then if they have a short-term improvement, then they really buy into it. And um, just like you all said, it, everyone's different. I've had some, so I'm not going to say I've had 100% success. I have some patients that just won't wear the appliance. They say it doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. They come up with all kinds of reasons not to, not to wear it. Yeah. You can't force people. You know, so that that I think is the biggest challenge as a health practitioner. We want to help everyone. We're going to provide information. We know it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Mm -hmm. Too many factors, cofactors that we can't control. We don't, I mean, I'm not going to follow them home and look and stand next to their bed. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) Also, that's creepy. (laughs) I'm coming to your house. (laughs) Why is Dr. Sam standing next to my bed? (laughs) Yeah, with his appliance, smiling at the window. I just want to say, you do walk your talk because I've seen you in the mornings with your appliance and I can barely understand what you're saying because he's expanding his teeth. (laughs) Yeah, I'm choking on it. So, but I believe in it. So you put up and that, yes. that's reasons why people may not. So, but it's the same as in your field. Like you, you want to go to people's house and look in their cupboard to see what they're eating. Right. Yeah. So that would be great. Yeah. Can you do that on everything? Like you said, that could be a little creepy too. Not as creepy as looking over someone in bed, but. <laughs> you dead, Sanka? <laughs> Are you breathing? Well, that's why. I do I it with Rudy, the dog. My yeah. my dog, the dog, the dog. <laughs> Rudy, the dog. I swear he has sleep apnea because he'll just he won't be moving. We'll watch him. His chest isn't rising, and then twenty seconds later, he goes, <laughs> "Buddy, gotta get the oh. breath." He's in that fight or, or flight. Do you, so, do you make doggy retainers? Uh, I don't. I've had patients come in and ask me to put braces on their dog. I said, "I don't do that." <laughs> I don't be do adorable. That. 
Next career. <laughs> yeah. Next career. Well, there was one, she had a bulldog. I said, what well, wanted to move the jaw back. I said, no, that's characteristic of a bulldog. You don't want to change yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And Aww. I'm surely they've adapted to yeah. chew and digest their food that way. Yeah. And they yeah. tend to not, guess what? That's what we call class three. They tend to not have airway issues. Mm. So the biggest airway issue is, so class one is like this. Class two with the lower Can you explain for back. people that aren't watching you? Uh, so class two, the lower jaw sits way back. People would call it maybe an overbite. So it looks like the like buck teeth. That's a class mm -hmm. two. Those are the most common airway issues, TMJ issues. Then a class three where the lower jaw comes forward and it actually sits outside of the upper jaw. They have less airway issues, less TMJ issues. Mm. Yeah, also, and real quick, can you explain alignment of the nose, lips, and jaw? What's ideal? In a side profile, you want to see the tip of the nose. Now, this can be different for different cultures because some people have large noses, right? So, but typically the tip of the nose lines up with each lip and then the chin. All that should be on alignment. What typically we'll see is the nose and the chin line up and the lips are sitting back. So this is that retraction issue. So we need to bring the jaws forward. So bring jaws forward, brings tongue forward, opens the airway. Yeah. I think I have an itty bitty retraction issue. <laughs> well, most people do. They don't know because they're not looking at that. Yeah. We're, we're looking at the wrong thing. That's the, I would say the biggest issue with orthodontics is their, their goal is to straighten the teeth. We're not looking at function. We're not looking at overall structure. We're not looking at overall health. So if we can address those things, then it makes important. I mean, there's that the, actually the guy came up with the acronym extraction, retraction, uh, regret syndrome. He pushes these people's, I mean, I think too, too far out. They're like, you know, mm. yeah, but they're breathing better. They're breathing better, but they may not want to go out in public. Ah, oh. maybe good Olympians, like some endurance yeah. <laughs> sports. But I think the point is that it does make a difference when you move this skeletal structure forward. Um, it's opening up the back of the airway. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, okay. Dad, right. you know a lot. A lot. Yeah. A lot of food for thought for everyone today. Yeah. I'll hopefully you here all day. A lot of food for thought that you should chew and suck on. Yeah. Chew and suck. Yes, there chew you go. Suck. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> we still have more questions, so we're going to have to bring you back again. Yeah. I guess we'll have you back. Annual yeah. thing. Never but, know. Dad, before we let you run... If you can leave our audience with one final piece of advice, something they can start doing today to optimize their health. My my personal advice is be your own guru. Do your homework. I know you guys talk about that, but I really believe in that. There's just too many experts out there who get caught up in one thing. Take this one thing, do this one thing. And I don't want to say, I said, treating what we do is not a panacea. Because, I mean, I can improve their airway, but if they have poor gut health and they can't breathe through their nose, it's only part of it. So you've got to do your homework. Don't get sucked in. And when I say guru, not just on a physical, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. There's a lot of spiritual gurus out there that will lead you down the wrong path. So be yourself. You have the innate wisdom to make the right decisions. Trust your innate wisdom. Trust it. So I'm not saying don't listen to anybody. You have to just do your own homework. Say, does that resonate with me or not? If it feels uncomfortable, then don't move in that direction. Matter. I mean, I don't care if someone says, I've treated a thousand people and I've had 99% success. If it doesn't resonate with you, 
move on. That's great. I love that so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dad. You're Thanks, welcome. Dad. Now, unless I'm the guru, then you want to follow everything I say. Yeah. <laughs> <We've always> <laughs> listened Don't listen to everybody. anybody, but listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, you, you know there's people out there like that, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I am the so, guru. Can you tell our audience where they can find more of you? Yeah, right here. See? Follow <laughs> me. On YouTube. Yeah. Go to uh, juliandentist.com. You can see me on Instagram or LinkedIn, um, Twitter. I'm still on there. For a while, I wasn't. Um, threads? <laughs> where? Threads. Threads yet? Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I don't have threads. So I'm easy to find. Julian Center or juliandentist.com, but I also have three or four other websites to deal with implants, ceramic implants we didn't get into. Uh, there's one on sleep, Julian Center for Sleep. It's, I think it's Julian Center for Effortless Sleep. And then one, Julian Center for Toxic-Free Dentistry. Oh. Yeah, we'll Great. link to all of those in the show notes. Okay. I just want to add, this is not just for local support. People fly from all over the country, potentially some even out of the country to see you. Right. Yeah. So you do not have to live in Maryland. No, that's you, you do have to travel, but <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it just has to do with people's priorities. I mean, I have people that probably live right across the street. They're not going to come to me because what I'm not open at night. I don't think they're insurance, whatever. That's whatever they're looking for. But as you said, I have people that actually travel, fly from out of the country to come here. So thanks for bringing for that. You. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. This is a lot of fun and super educational. Well, I always learn from you too. So I learned something today. It was great. Teamwork. Me too. Love you, girl. We love you. Love you, dad. Love you. (laughs) You're doing a great job. Thank you. Thanks. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.